as you remain standing for the reading of God's Word. Think about what we have just sung. Think about the words that we have just uttered from our mouths. Then sings my soul, my Savior, my God, to Thee. Can that honestly be said of us today? That our soul sings unto Him. Oftentimes our lips sing, our voices sing. But does our soul cry out and yearn for Him? My God, my Savior. If you look with me here in the book of Philippians, chapter number 3, we'll read verses 8 through 11. It says, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Would you look back with me at verse number 9? And I'd like to read together, if you would please, those first five words. And be found in him. Father, that is my heart's desire. But Father, nothing be found of me except Jesus Christ. That Father, nothing be pointed of me but Jesus Christ. That Father, whenever anyone sees the life of your Son, they would truly see the life of your Son. Father, I pray that you would bless the reading of your word to our hearts and our lives to its application. So, Father, I'm asking you to do what you've done so many times, and that is to change the individuals who are being inspired to move closer to you. Father, that we would have a desire, Lord to be conformed into the image of your Son. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Perhaps in your Bible you have one that uh, breaks certain areas of the passage up. 
uh, into different paragraphs, different columns, whatever it may be. Many Bibles do things differently. I've picked up many a Bible and um, uh, seen the different headings, and, and some of them, they break up the paragraphs in different orders. And understand that when the Apostle Paul wrote these things, he did not put those headings there. And so when you read those little headings above certain sections of your uh, passages in your Bible, those are not necessarily inspired headings. Uh, mine, it talks right there at the beginning of chapter 3, the heading that it gives for verses 1 through 12, that I may win Christ. While that necess- is not necessarily uh, inspired to, uh, to title that section of the chapter, Uh, The words themselves are true. I believe with all my heart that the Apostle Paul, as he begins uh, this chapter with warnings and marks of false teachers, we looked at that a couple weeks ago, and, and then he reveals how there can be no confidence in the self and how uh, the false teachers place their confidence in things that are not Jesus Christ and how we have no confidence in the flesh, uh, those who are truly born again by the Spirit of God. Uh, now he pre- presents four places that Christ occupies in the child of God in his heart and in his mind. And there are, there are four different places that I believe we need to uh, make sure that Christ Jesus reigns supreme as we come through this passage. I hope to be able to expose some of that. Uh, the first place being that of the prize. The second being the place or the uh, uh, perhaps the, uh, the resting place. It would be another way of saying that. The third would be the desire or the purpose or goal of the Christian's life. And then the fourth would be that of the pattern, that Jesus would be our pattern or our model. And we see all of this as we come into this chapter and as we come into verses 8 through 11, the prize that is Jesus Christ. I can remember playing cards, uh, Uno, I believe it was. I was playing, don't get mad at me. I was playing, uh, let's uh, go fish, if that makes people feel better. Uh, but I was playing with my cousins one day, and, and my youngest cousin, and my aunt was there, and, and my youngest cousin says, well, what do, I, what do I get if I win? And she said, the satisfaction of winning. He said, well, I don't want to play then. And I think there's many people who come at the Christian life with this same mentality. What do I get if I join? What's in it for me? What do I get? Where can I uh, find my place? And, and what do you have to offer me? And what do you have to give me and my family? And what do you, is Christ enough? And this is where we want to bring our minds, and, 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 and I, I love what we've been going through with some of the, uh, some of the uh, uh, removal of so much busyness in our lives because it reminds me that Christ is sufficient. This is a beautiful thing for us to have to really be, just, just stop, be still, and know that I am God, he says. 
There are so many things that we get ourselves involved in and we, we are running from point A to point B to point C to point D and we try to fix God and his, his house into the mix somewhere. We try to find a little bit of time to read. And, oh, Pastor Andy, you don't understand. My life is so busy. My schedule is so full. I don't have time to read the Bible the way you say to do. Please understand something. If we've got time for the golf course, we've got time for the Bible. Is he enough? Well, Pastor, what does your church have to offer my family? I've got, I've got a teenager, I've got a college student, I've got, a, I've got children, and, and I need to know that if I'm going to come to your church, that you've got something for us. I've got Jesus. I've got Jesus. And I get, I get worn out. Can I put my feelings that this is one of those things, Pastor, you know what I'm talking about. This is one of those things that we, we pastors have to bury so much sometimes. But can I put myself just out in the open for a little bit? I'm tired of people wanting more than Jesus. Is he not enough? Well, Pastor, your church doesn't have, but we got Jesus. Now, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying that it's wrong to have uh, this type of ministry or that type of ministry. I'm not saying that those things are wrong. But I hear time after time after time someone wanting more than Jesus. What more can I give? What more can I offer someone? What more can I present? than the shed blood of the Son of the living God. I want to take a look at this closely. And I want to try to dissect some of what Paul's saying here. Notice what he says in verse 8. We finished, kind of, kind of came to the conclusion of last week's message with verse 8 and verse 7 there. He says, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of, of Christ Jesus my Lord. What was, what was he saying that he counts as loss? Well, if you go back to what we had talked about last week, he talks about all of his personal uh, achievements or his personal accolades, his, his pedigree so to speak, if you were to put it this way. What kind of person? What was he involved in? What did he do? And this was the person that he, he had this ministry, this ministry, this ministry. He did all these great things. He knew the law. By this stage of his game, he pr- pretty much had the law memorized. How many of us can honestly say we have that much of the Word of God memorized? But here he goes through all this and he says, I counted all loss. Why? Notice there, yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Pastor, I want to do this in ministry and I want to do that in ministry. Praise the Lord. Why? Why? I've told you before, I had a young man who, who ran a bus route for me and he is getting frustrated and frustrated, and I asked him why he ran the bus route, and it is because you like diesel fuel, because you like this, because you like getting up earlier than everybody else, because you like going home later than everybody else. No, no, why? Because I love those kids. Then quit. What? Yep, if you're doing it because you love the kids, quit, because one day you're going to get a little twit on your route that you can't stand, and you're going to quit. And if you don't understand what I'm talking about, you never ran a bus route. 
Oh, there's been many times I get up praising Jesus and thanking God for being able to be in his ministry. By the time I got off that bus, I just wanted to nail and put nails in my head and say, I don't want to go home today. And Calgon didn't have anything ready for me. If it's for anything other than the love of Jesus Christ, we need to stop for a minute. He says at the concluding portion of verse 8, he says, For whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung. Why? That I may win Christ. That ought to be our driving motivation. This is the prize. You see, more than just knowing Jesus, Paul had a desire to gain the very Spirit of Christ. Please understand me. Many seek a, a sense of belonging to a group, or many seek a, 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 a place uh, within the household of faith. They want to find their place. Well, I don't know that I've got a place here. I don't know that I've got a place there. I don't know that I've got... Hey, just, just, just stop. Just seek Christ. Just seek Jesus. I remember my uh, uh, my last uh, job. I guess people would say job, secular job, whatever you want to call it. I was working at an airport, and oh, I wanted to be out of there so bad. I wanted to be in ministry. Oh, pastor, I couldn't wait to get away from the airport. I couldn't wait for the Lord to put me in ministry. And I remember Pastor Green told me, he says, until you take the ministry God has you in seriously, he's never going to put you in another one. And I was mad. Who do you think you are? (laughs) Easy for you to say, you don't work with the people I work with. So I went and I just, I I was determined to show this guy what's what. I was determined to just, I'm going to let you know, I, I I take my ministry seriously. Jerk. So I went in, and I, just, I, I, I started going through, and I was like, you know, I, I talked to, the, I, I put my Bible verses on my, I, I wear, you know, my, my, my WWJD bracelet. I, I play my Christian music while I'm working, and everybody else just has to put up with it because i got to listen to their garbage. And I went in, and God changed my heart. And I started to see the people I worked with in a different light. And I can remember the day I was sitting in Grace Baptist Church, Middletown, Ohio. And Pastor Green was preaching on people just just stand for Jesus. And I can tell you as, as sure as I'm standing here today. I remember it. I just said, God, if all you want out of my life is to sit in a pew and say amen, I'm yours. If you don't ever want me to preach a message, if you don't ever want me to go to a foreign country, if you don't ever want me to occupy a ministry position, you just want me to sit in a pew and say amen the rest of my life and continue to go to work at this airport. God, that's what I'll do. I'll do whatever you ask. I'll be whatever you want. I'll go wherever you want me to go. 
Now, there had been times in my life where I had, oh, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. But in my mind, it was, I'm going to be a pastor. I'm going to be a preacher. I'm going to be a missionary. I'm going to be an evangelist. I'm going to be a... No. (laughs) That moment, something changed. You want to know what changed? He became my prize. A position didn't become my prize. A location wasn't my prize. A people group wasn't my prize. An activity wasn't my prize. Jesus became my prize. And I can honestly tell you that that I am settled with that. I've had people say, well, it's easy for you. I mean, you're, you're a pastor. If God parks me in the pew tomorrow, yet will I praise Him. Paul says that I may win Christ. Many settle for knowing about Jesus. Others settle for knowing what Jesus taught or knowing His life story. Paul's desire was to attain Christ. Look with me at 1 Corinthians you go back just a few pages into 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. Look at the way he says it over here. Talking to the Corinthian church. Now, realize something. Whenever we look into the, into the book of 1 Corinthians, we are looking at a corrective book. So apparently, the people in Corinth had a, a wrong view of things. They, they had some, some of their priorities askew. And he says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter number 2, look with me here. Verse number one, and I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or wisdom. And just about everybody who has been under the sound of my voice understand I do not come to you with excellency of speech or wisdom either. That was some of your all's only opportunity to say amen. Declaring unto you the testimony of God. Number, verse number two, for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ. And him crucified. You see that? The Apostle Paul says it this way. I didn't want to know anything but Jesus. Tell me what Jesus has done in your life. Tell me about the effect that he has in your life. Tell me how you're different today than you were yesterday. Tell me how you're different today than you were before you met him. Tell me what Jesus has done to you. Well, I, 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 I do this. I teach Sunday school. I, I, I drive a bus. I, uh, I lead singing. I, I, I'm in the choir. I, no, no, stop. Tell me what Jesus has done for you. Before you ever tell me about all the different accomplishments and everything, just simply tell me what Jesus has done for you. You There's so many that they know how to tell you about themselves. They don't understand how to tell you, Jesus saved me. Jesus died for me. While I was his enemy, he loved me. While I was a sinner, he paid my debt. Just start there. 
The Apostle Paul, he also didn't want to come to them and fill them full of knowledge and all this stuff. He says, I just wanted you to know Jesus. That's all I have to offer. Before anyone attempts to discover their talents or their place in this world or even, even in the church, please let me be clear on this. Let's just desire Christ. Many seek some sense of belonging, now, but I love the way the song says, now I belong to Jesus. I don't belong to a certain ministry. I don't belong to a certain group. I don't belong. No, I just belong to Jesus. Second, look in verse number nine here. Philippians chapter number three, verse nine. And be found in him. Wow. Paul gave up trying to do, and he rested in simply being. You know how many of us get this backwards and get this messed up? We are so focused on what we do for him that we completely lose sight of being his. That's the question that we need to ask ourselves is, is not what do I do for Jesus Christ, but what am I? I am his child. Here's the question that we ask so often. Well, if I, then he. Now understand that there are a lot of if-then statements in the Bible, but we've got to be careful. We've got to be cautious that we're not so focused on if I fill in the blank then He will. And instead, start focusing on if Jesus is, then I will. Catch the difference. People go down the road of, well, if I read my Bible, or if, if I live a good life, or if I put money in the offering plate, or if I go to church every so often, or if I say some certain words, or if I get baptized, or if I do this, or if I do that, the focus then, my friends, is on I. And can I just be as loving and as blunt as I possibly can? I can't. As I'm worried about if I do this, I'm always going to be found short because the, the goal or the, uh, the bar has been set at perfection. And I'll never attain that. But because Jesus is, because He is my payment, because He is my sacrifice, because He is my Passover Lamb, because He is the Son of God, because He is the second person in the triune Godhead, because He is God in the flesh, because He is merciful, because He is just, because He is gracious, because He is loving, I can and I will follow Him. Many struggle with feeling that they need to do something in order to be accepted. But before I gain any reputation for anything I do, let me be found in Christ. Do you understand how powerful those first five words are in, in verse number 9? And be found in 
him. That was the desire of the Apostle Paul. In other words, it's time for us to, to take a spiritual inventory. Companies do this all the time. They take inventory all the time. Businesses take inventory. They want to know how many parts they have, how much, uh, uh, how many, uh, uh, what the employees are accomplishing, this, that, and the other. They take an inventory. I think it's time for us to, as Christians to take a spiritual inventory. Every Christian ought to regularly do this. It's one of those things where we come to the Word of God and we ask, God, is this my life? Where am I spiritually? What are my goals? What do I want? Let's ask it this way, because I I like doing what we call life plans, and when I'm working with young people, I, I try to encourage them, have you ever written out your life plan? And one of the things in writing a life plan is to write how you want to be remembered. And so as I'm writing out my life plan, I go through, as a husband, I will write down, how do I want my wife to remember me? When I shuffle off this mortal coil and I enter into the uh, the presence of my dear Savior and I have to leave my wife and children, my, my extended family, the church family that I have, my friends, my co-workers, my enemies, my neighbors... When I leave this world and I, and I just step back and I say, okay, how do I want to be remembered? I get specific. How do I want my wife to remember me? If she was delivering a eulogy at my funeral, what would I want her to remember about me? What do I want my children as a father? How do I want them to remember me? Oh, dad, he, oh man, he loved watching TV. And you couldn't pry a hot dog out of his hand. My daddy loved Jesus. That's a big difference, isn't it? My dad was a preacher and a pastor. Or my daddy loved Jesus. What do you want to be remembered for? Get it in our minds now. This is not something that we, we go at and just, well, hopefully it happens. we got to put purpose to it. I mean, dads, <laughs> it's Father's Day. How do you want to be remembered? i got some great memories of my dad. i got some great memories of my grandfather. But you know what I'm looking forward to? The day that I'm able to proclaim and my children are able to proclaim nothing is found in me but Christ. I don't want to be found in anything else. Oh, my dad is this, my dad is that. My, oh, my dad was a hothead. <laughs> no. No. I just want to be found in him. Look at verse 10. That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. Wow. Paul's ambition was to know Christ. Now, get this. Knowing and experiencing are not the same. A lot of people, yeah, I know Jesus. 
Do you know Jesus? Paul's desire was not to just simply have this knowledge, but he, he, had, he wanted to, to have this experiential knowledge of him. It's one thing to know, but quite another thing to share. Look at it this way. Go back to Matthew with me, if you would, please. Matthew chapter number 9. Matthew chapter number 9. You know, one can know that it pains Christ when people do not love God with all their heart, all their soul, and all their mind. We know this. You know, we, we have it in our mind. Well, the Bible says you're supposed to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And yet it bothers God when we don't do that. But it's another thing to share in that with him. Catch this. Look with me if you would. Matthew chapter number 9. Look at verse 35. And Jesus went... Uh, about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then said he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. It's one thing to know that Jesus was moved by compassion. It's another thing to be moved by compassion with him. That's a different story. If you... No, it bothers someone when you do something. And then over time, you have tried to train in yourself that same, I'm not going to do that because it bothers them. Eventually, sometimes that bothersome thing becomes bothersome to you as well. My mother cannot stand to hear someone eat. And if you're sitting at the table slurping your soup, you'll see my mom go. And when you grow up in a house of someone else like that, and you are told from day one, don't chew with your mouth open, don't talk with food in your mouth, don't slurp your soup, don't, don't smack your lips, please, I can hear you eating from across the kitchen. Eventually, you get tired of hearing, don't do that, don't do that, that's nasty, that's disgusting. And guess what? My pet peeve is to hear anybody eating anything. I had a roommate for all of two weeks. Dude, get the fiddle faddle and yourself out of here. You don't understand what it does to someone who has been taught you don't want to hear someone eat. To have them sitting on your couch with a box of caramel corn and peanuts. <laughs> and you're on the other side of the room just looking going, I am going to murder you any minute now. 
You just reach over as kindly as you can. You take two fingers, you grab the fiddle-faddle out of their hand, and they're thinking, you want some too? And you chuck it at the wall. The Lord has certain things that bother Him. Does it bother us too? Does it bother you that someone would use His name blasphemously as a curse word? I wouldn't want someone saying that about my wife or kids. Why in the world am I okay with them doing it about my God? You see, knowing and experiencing are not the same. To truly know Christ is to share in His sufferings. You see what he says there again back in Philippians chapter 3. He says in verse 10, he says, "...that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection." and the fellowship of His sufferings. Do you have fellowship in His sufferings? Well, Pastor, I can't, I, I can't understand what He went through on the cross. No, you can't. But do you fellowship with the things that bother Him, that cause Him pain, that bring a tear to His eye, Does it bother you when someone makes an improper view of the Godhead because of the way they treat their spouse? Goes through me. Whether it's a wife disrespecting her husband or a husband not showing love to his wife, I don't care which direction it is. The two shall be one flesh. This is a picture of the Godhead. The two being one. The three being one. Does that bother you? Does it bother you when someone, when someone let's, let's, let's do the one that we all like to dance around. Let's, does it bother you when someone takes and, and tries to chew up and spit out the Word of God? Well, I'll take this part of it and I'm going to ignore this part of it. I like this book, but I hate that book. I like this author, but I, I reject that author. Does it bother you when God's Word is being, is being ripped apart by these critics? Fellowship of His sufferings. Look at the last thing with me here and we'll begin to wrap up. He says at the very end of verse 10, being made conformable unto His death. Now listen, this is not saying that we are going to die in the same way He died physically. But it is saying that our life and our death Match His model. I'm not saying we all need to go die a martyr's death or we all need to find a cross somewhere. That's not what I'm saying. This is not saying any of that, but what we do is we take our life and our death and let them be patterned in the same fashion. Selfless, sacrificial, thinking of others. Understand something. This kind of love alone is the heart of true Christianity. That agape love. That's at the heart of all of it. I give up myself, my wants, my desires, my likes, my dislikes. I've set that aside for everybody else. That's the way Jesus did it. 
Go back with me, if you would, into chapter number 2 of Philippians. It says in verse number 5, says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. In other words, he was equal with God, and it wouldn't have been taking something that didn't belong to him to say it. Get what is being said there. It's not saying that he shouldn't have grasped at it. It's saying it was his. It belonged to him. No robbery. Move on. But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Let this mind be in you. That's the heart of Christianity. I quit looking at what's in it for me. And I just want him. And then I take that to you. Was, I had a lady come to me one time. This is at our last church. And you know what we need? is We need a ministry for this type of a, a group of people. We need a ministry that would reach out to these people. And I just looked at her and I said, Oh, praise God that that was put on your heart. When do you want to start? No, I just... I, God gives me the gift of coming up with the ideas. It's somebody else's job to do them. Don't remember reading that in the fruit of the spirit or in the gifts you know, <laughs> brainstormer <laughs> comes right after hospitality God puts something on your heart to reach someone take them Jesus well you know pastor we don't have a ministry that reaches to this group go take them Jesus I don't have any entertainment, any social group, or any humanitarian aid that can compare to simply knowing Jesus. What could? Well, Pastor, you still need to have certain types of ministries and everything, but understand something. I'm not saying that these ministries are bad. What I am saying is, what do we want? Do we want just a list of ministries? Well, we've got to make sure that there's a place to plug everybody in. What do we have to offer? You know, the, the, the thing that I, I, I get excited about with this whole COVID thing, and, oh, pastor likes COVID. I didn't say that. It took away what I thought was important. And guess what I'm left with? Jesus. I don't have my Sunday school class anymore. But I got Jesus. I don't have my choir anymore. But I got Jesus. 
I don't have my Sunday night Bible study anymore. Hello. I got Jesus. Let's talk about Jesus. We need to start a, a Bible study on this subject or that subject. Can we just talk about Jesus? Listen, I, I, I'm sorry, but I kind of gave up trying to make everyone happy. I'm just going to give you what's best. Listen, if I got steak on the grill, it's like my mama used to always say, you're going to eat what's put in front of you or you ain't going to eat. If I got steak on the grill and you come over to the house and you say, well, I prefer hot dogs. And I go get hot dogs on them. But I don't slap them on the grill. And then somebody else comes over and says, well, I, I like hamburgers instead. So I slap hamburgers on the grill. And somebody else says, well, I, I kind of like those long, spicy sausages. <laughs> slap those on the grill. Somebody else comes over and says, well, I want cod. Ugh. So I slap that on the grill. And somebody else says, I don't like cod. It's too fishy. I would much rather chicken. Oh, for crying out loud. And so I throw chicken on the grill, and next day I don't have room for the steak that I had originally planned. And you know how many churches have everything else on the menu but Christ? Can I be honest with you for a second? Jesus is the only thing going to be on this menu. And as long as the Lord gives me breath, it's the only thing I'm going to preach. And some people may get upset. Well, why don't you teach about how to be a better husband? My husband could use that. <laughs> Call another preacher. Maybe you need a different message. <laughs> Go to that one. Understand something. Until the Lord gives me something better than Jesus Christ to present, that's the only thing going to be on the menu. So the question is, what do you seek? I've talked to people before who, what do you have for me? And you wouldn't think that this is what they would say, but it's come out of their mouth. I said, I've got Jesus. I'm going to tell you about Jesus. I'm going to tell you how you can be closer to Jesus. I'm going to be telling you about how you can love Him right and become more like Him. And the response is, yeah, but what about... He's enough. He is enough, will always be enough. And it's not Him that is lacking. It's us. It's not Him that's not enough. It's us. So what do you seek? Find Jesus. 
You know, we, we, we look at the different things about ministry. Understand something. If Jesus is the only thing that I have to offer, and you come and you hear about Jesus, then guess what? My prayer is that you too will fall head over heels in love with Jesus. And then guess what? When you leave this place, what are you going to have to offer? Nothing but Jesus. And you're going to tell somebody down the street or that co-worker in the next cubicle or somebody uh, uh, that lives next door to you, you're going to tell them about Jesus. You're going to bring them in to hear about Jesus. And we're just going to have a good old time talking about Jesus. He's sufficient. And He is a prize worth chasing. Father, thank You, Lord. Thank You. Thank You. Thank You that a thrice holy God would robe Himself in flesh. For me. Thank You, Father, that You would pity me enough, love me enough to save me. And Father, let nothing in this world ever overshadow Jesus. Father, that the name that is above every name would be the only name on our tongues. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Father, help us to be focused solely on You. It's in Your name we pray.